We'll be reading from Esther chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Esther chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. This morning was a brief summary of the book of Esther. I advise you, if you have some time, uh, take the time to uh, read the whole book. Uh, of course, there's a lot of different uh, schemes and plots going on at the same time. And, of course, uh, we see where uh, one tremendously backfired over the other one for this guy named Haman. We will continue looking at this man and uh, get some answers here of, uh, of his anger and uh, his resentment toward the Jewish people. And it's found in a couple of obscure, seemingly minor details in this book. But it tends to answer a lot of questions for us. In Esther, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? After these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamethatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gate bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to them that they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word. The answers that you give us and the details as we read and every word is important. We ask that we would understand some things and help us continue to see the truth of your word and the truth of its lessons in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned this morning, the whole story of God's working in the book of Esther is framed by the anger of this man named Haman toward Mordecai and his desire only to, uh, to uh, have Mordecai killed and his people, the Jewish people. So he didn't want to just eliminate Mordecai, he wanted to eliminate all the Jewish people. Where did this hatred come from? Why would he be that, that bitter toward one man and then decide, instead of killing him, to kill all the Jews in the kingdom, several million people? Well, let's look at Haman's lineage. Seems to be a very obscure, minor detail here as we read. Haman was the son of Hamathida, the Agagite, or we would call it the Agagite, and advanced him. He was a Agagite. Now, we would call it the Agagite simply because he was of the lineage of Agag. Now, who is Agag? Back in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we understand Saul was at war with the Amalekites, and they captured his king, Agag. Agag was not the name of the king. It was the title of the king, like Pharaoh was the title of the king of Egypt. Josephus mentions in his book that Agag was the title 
of any one of the Amalekite leaders. So we understand by saying he was an Agagite that he was of the lineage of Amalek. Now, let's look at the lineage of Amalek now that we know that Haman was an Amalekite of the lineage of these people. Look at Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. This is 1,491 years earlier. Now, I mentioned this morning about the Hatfields and the McCoys. They had this feud that went on for several dozen years up in the hills. Nobody knew what it was all about. Boy, they hated each other, and they fought for a long time. Well, this beats the Hatfields and the McCoys. This is 1,400 years plus earlier in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, if you have to understand it, Israel had been in a bad way. They had gotten thirsty, and they'd run out of water, and they were traveling through the desert. And they were, indeed, in a very vulnerable state. And it says, Amalek came and fought with them. So Amalek started the fight. Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on the one side, the other on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for memorial of the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. Moses built an altar and called his name, The Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amalek or the Amalekites. So this is the start of it. From then on, there was a constant feud between the Amalekites and the Hebrew people. You remember in the book of Judges when we're looking at Gideon, and Gideon was threshing grain in the wine fat because he couldn't go up to the top of the hill. And it says the Midianites, of course, would raid the people. But if you look close in that list, there was the Amalekites. Now, most of the time, you see them as a group. If they found anybody going to war against Israel, the Hebrew people, they always teamed up against them. They were a constant thorn in the side of the people of Israel. All the way through the reign of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, of course, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 43, it talks about them. So we realize this was 1,400, 90 years earlier. But now it gets even sharper when you look at the history of Mordecai. Mordecai, you say, well, he was a Jewish guy. And he was a Amalekite, or one of the people of Agag, an Agagite. And so you'd know they would be at feud with each other. But there's a little bit more to it. If you look at another detail in chapter 2, verse 5 of Esther, 
chapter 2, verse 5 of Esther. In Shushan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Now we have to go back a little bit and find out he's not the first member of the tribe of Benjamin to have some dealings with somebody of the lineage of Amalek. Turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. First Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. There was a man of Benjamin, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjaminite, a mighty man of power. He had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. And Saul became king, the first king of Israel. Saul was of the tribe of Benjamin. Look in chapter 15, verse 1 of 1 Samuel. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Do not spare them. Kill both man and woman, infant, nursing, child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So here is a man from the tribe of Benjamin, and God says, you are the king of Israel, and we have some business. Now that we've got them organized, you need to go and deal with Amalek for what they did to Israel back in Egypt, as they came out of Egypt. We have to understand that was about 400 years earlier. 400 years earlier, and God had said, we'll be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. And we know the story. Saul fails to do what God told him to do. Saul comes back with all the sheep and the donkey and the ox and some plunder and things like that. Samuel has to call his hand on it. And obviously he left some Amalekites. In verse 28, verse 18, he said, you've been rejected king because you did not execute the wrath on the Amalekites. So here's a man from the tribe of Benjamin who dished out some hurt onto the Amalekites or the Agagites. And now 600 years later, Haman finds out that Mordecai is a Jewish person. Now, whether he knew it or not, Mordecai was a Benjaminite. And what Haman was trying to do 600 years later was what Saul had failed to do with the Amalekites, and that is to exterminate every one of them. And so we realize 
these little minor details. We just think this thing came up out of the blue. This feud had been going on for over a thousand years, and it surfaces again in the story of Esther. And we have a Amalekite who's gunning for Mordecai and wanting to wipe the Jewish people off the planet. And as I said before, his eye was on the Jewish people because his eye was on us and the Savior would come through the Jewish people. So he preserved the Jewish people and brought the Savior into the world. All these things that worked in the book of Esther were not just for Esther and Mordecai and the Jews of that generation. It was for every generation. Is there anything before we close? Let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer. Thank you for coming tonight.